brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. Earlier this week, I brought to you some of the, shall we say, words of wisdom of Cardinal McElroy of San Diego, newly appointed Cardinal by Francis at the most recent consistory. And it reminds me, I should do a minor correction. In my reporting this past weekend on uh, Bishop Vilmer appointment, I called him Cardinal over and over again. And I think I did that because subconsciously, if he is actually made the prefect for the dicastery of the doctrine of the faith, the former congregation for the doctrine of the faith, then he will absolutely be made a cardinal at a future consistory, which is the formal event that the Pope uses to make cardinals. And that will have to happen this fall. Well, this August is usually when they happen. None at the time of recording of this has been announced yet. If such an announcement is made, it'll probably be in March or April. But the number of cardinals who can participate in the conclave went from more than the canonical allowment when he made the most recent batch of cardinals in August to now the below the number for the, the below that limit, that legal limit set by the laws of the church due to retirements. So you can expect another consistory in probably August. If I had to guess, it's typically when they are. And absolutely certainly would Vilmer, should he be appointed to this position, be named a cardinal. I was just getting ahead of myself. But in that letter I talked about with McElroy that he wrote in America Magazine, he was really promoting a change to the church's doctrine on the James Martin topic, we'll call it. He really wanted that sin that James Martin is so focused on to be changed. The way the the church teaches about it, what the church teaches. He wanted that changed. He made it very clear. And he used the language of pastoral inclusion and inclusivity and the rest. And this sets an interesting backdrop because right now we have a, frankly, a very, very, very strong rumor coming out of Rome that a follow-up to Traditionis Custodis is going to come before the spring or early in spring. And if that happens, it's likely to be put a total and complete end to the diocesan traditional Latin Mass, relegating the traditional Latin Mass to the exclusive purview of the FSSP, the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest, religious orders, and of course the SSPX, who will not be affected by any such document from Rome anyway. But that will be the only place you can get it. And with groups like the FSSP, there will be more tightening of the screws on them in a where they can be allowed to say and offer such masses publicly. That's the document. That's the rumor. This is the focus of Rome. Well, one of two focuses. The other is the synod on synodality, which is going to be the instrument used to make Cardinal McElroy's dreams come true or begin to come true as the church continues to soften its language on that sin that the world has such an interest in and that sin that Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit church has such an interest in. And so today I want to take that with some more words from Cardinal McElroy, and I want to juxtapose them against something. I have for you a letter published by the Remnant from a good priest who is was forced into early retirement to do some health problems, and now he spends his time mostly in front of the Blessed Sacrament in adoration and in prayer, but also writing letters to the public. And his name is Father Dana Ambrose Christensen. He is a religious priest, and here he has an open letter to Bishop Donald DeGrood, his bishop here in the United States, and where he basically begs his priest or his bishop to not 
implement Traditionus Custodis because his bishop is in the process of trying to do so, trying to figure out how to implement the modu proprio. And he gives his complete reasons for why that should not happen. And I'm going to give you the whole letter. It's very short. It's about five minutes in length. And we're going to talk about Cardinal McElroy because Cardinal McElroy is <laughs> quite the character. And he is saying things, he's giving you the reasoning here for why the church is teaching, quote unquote, must change on that sin that the world is so, so adamant about, that we adorn its symbols on our public buildings, that we punish those who speak against it to the point where you have to speak, if you speak in against it, you have to really dance around the topic, kind of like I am now. There's no tolerance for dissent on it. So, why is the Vatican wanting to soften the teachings of a sin, soften it, our teachings, the church's teachings about a sin that sacred scripture unequivocally calls a sin that cries out to heaven for vengeance? And why did Francis this past weekend, when he clarified his recent statements to Jimmy Martin about such things, say, oh, it's still a sin, but then he just likened it to any kind of uh, acts of the flesh outside of the marital bond, and he likened it to a lack of charity. That's downplaying the severity of the sin. Do you see where we're going with this? Let's check in with that priest first. So, the remnant published this, and I bring it to you now. A response to Pope Francis. Letter to Bishop Donald DeGood, written by Father Dana Ambrose Christensen. This was published on the 26th of January. Your Excellency, Pax, I want to thank you for asking consultation from both priests and seminarians after the latest motu proprio from Pope Francis. I found it disturbing, cruel, and unnecessary. Let me explain. My first real encounter with the traditional Latin Mass was when I was studying liturgy at the Liturgical Institute at Mundelein Seminary. A class was offered on its theology and included a practicum. Learning the theology of the Mass and celebrating it often, even daily, changed my priesthood for the better. In time, being lonely at school and desiring to have a regular parish to carry out pastoral duties, especially on the weekends, the parish that welcomed me was a parish that offered both forms of the Roman Rite. Every other week I was afforded the privilege of offering a Misa Cantata. On the other weeks I offered the ordinary form. I also heard literally hundreds of confessions each weekend. It was the single most blessed opportunity while in Chicago. It made me understand the Mass more fully, and no doubt prepared me for the sacrifice that I am now making in my suffering from ALS. Then comes this bombshell out of the blue, which seems to negate the experience I had and what I learned. It has caused me deep sorrow. To think, if this motu proprio is to be taken at face value, I will have to have my funeral, which I desire to be a solemn pontifical high mass in the extraordinary form, in a gym or other non-parish setting. I'm sorry, Your Excellency, but that is cruel to me and my family, and all at the hand of someone who I am supposed to call Holy Father. No, he has shown himself something less than that. Fathers ought not give his son a snake when he asks for a fish. The supposed excuse for all this is unity. My time at Mundelein taught me that never did I find disunity there among the standing room only flock that filled the church every Sunday. What I found was unity in the perennial teachings of the church. I found unity in the reception of the sacraments regularly and with devotion. I found unity in devotion. 
and I found unity and fraternity among parishioners. It is, Bishop, your vision for this diocese in miniature. Would that this parish would spread like wildfire. Instead, in so many parishes, we see disunity all around. Catholics not believing in the Eucharist, confusion about divorce and remarriage, and the elephant in the White House should or should not the president receive Holy Communion. Let me assure you, there is no such lack of unity of faith or confusion in the parish I helped in Volo, Illinois. I also can't help but think of our seminarians, who themselves have come to love the richness of the traditional Latin Mass, or the newly ordained who are confident that this Mass would be part of their lives. And now to have it so suddenly taken away, will we lose them to orders whose charism it is to offer the Holy Mass according to the older rites? I think this is not out of the realm of possibility. So, as you have gathered, I beg of you, on my knees, to not implement this motu proprio in our diocese, or to do so as liberally as you can. Do not alienate good, faithful people in our diocese, including priests and seminarians. I would encourage you, as part of your discernment, to visit our Latin Mass community to see if you find there what Pope Francis expects you will find. Also, study the traditional Latin Mass yourself, and maybe even offer it. I think you will find there what I found, namely, rich prayers, healthy reverence, and unity among believers. I also recommend that your discernment include Canon 87, subsection 1. A diocesan bishop, whenever he judges that it contributes to their spiritual good, is able to dispense the faithful from universal and particular disciplinary laws issued for his territory or his subjects by the supreme authority of the church. He is not able to dispense, however, from procedural or penal laws, nor from those whose dispensation is specially reserved to the apostolic see or some other authority. At least one bishop had already used this canon because of the spiritual good of his diocese, dispensed his diocese from this motu proprio, so there is precedence in the United States for at least considering this. This canon gives you a way to see the spiritual good of the flock entrusted to your care, is able to go on as normal, as under Samorum Pontificum, by dispensing all laity, priests, deacons, and seminarians from this novel motu proprio from Pope Francis. Not to put undue pressure on you, but this canon gives you the ability to do something that will draw seminarians and priests who no longer feel welcome in their own diocese or religious order so you can better see your vision for the diocese fulfilled. What an opportunity to see many St. John Vianney's who himself was daily nourished by the traditional Latin Mass, the Roman Breviary, and the Roman Ritual. If you, if you would like to discuss this further, or if you have follow-up questions, please let me know. Praying for you as you discern, as well as for Pope Francis, that he would in mercy rescind this cruel document. I remind, I remain yours in the hearts of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Signed, Father Dana Ambrose Christensen. One of the central teachings that Cardinal McElroy is looking to have changed in the church, again, as we juxtapose this to the letter you heard from, from the priest begging his bishop to not implement Traditionis Custodis, an act that he called cruel, one of the things Cardinal McElroy wants is for everyone, regardless of their state, to be admitted to the Eucharist, that the only condition should be that they are baptized. Those living the uh, James Martin life cannot receive Holy Communion. They live a life dedicated to and defined by, their very identity is defined by a sin that cries out to heaven for justice, according to sacred scripture. Yet Cardinal McElroy wants them admitted to Holy Communion without repentance and without living in accordance to their state in life, like any of the rest of us. I want you to think about that. If you think that's me being a little hyperbolic, let's check in with Cardinal McElroy. Again, several days ago, I, I gave to you an, a short excerpt from 
his lengthy article in America Magazine, where he talked about this at length, and I'll have another Bart part of it here for you. As I said in that video that I would probably have to revisit this, and that's what we're doing now. So if you want to read it for yourself, it's in the show notes today, along with that letter. The, our links to both are in my show notes today at returntotradition.org. Just look for today's post. But here is Cardinal McElroy's logic, and he's saying this comes from Francis and Francis's logic, that everyone, regardless of their state, as long as they are a baptized Catholic, should receive Holy Communion. We know that Francis has also given the Eucharist to people who are baptized, but not Catholic as well. So anyone who's a baptized Christian of any kind should be able to receive Holy Communion, regardless of whether they carry sins or not. That is a complete break from the Church's teaching. But don't take my word for it. Here's Cardinal McElroy. Quote, The third element of a Catholic teaching that supports a pastoral stance of inclusion and shared belonging in the Church is the counterpoised realities of human brokenness and divine grace that form the backdrop for any discussion of worthiness to receive the Eucharist. As Francis stated in Gaudate et Exultate, grace, precisely because it builds on nature, does not make us superhuman all at once. Grace acts in history. Ordinarily, it takes hold of us and transforms us progressively. Here lies the foundation for Pope Francis's exhortation, quote, to see the Eucharist not as a prize for the perfect, but as a source of healing for us all. The Eucharist is a central element of God's grace-filled transformation of all the baptized. For this reason, the Church must embrace a Eucharistic theology that effectively invites all of the baptized to the table of the Lord, rather than a theology of Eucharistic coherence that multiplies barriers to the grace and gifts of the Eucharist. Unworthiness cannot be the prism of, prism of accompaniment for disciples of God of grace and mercy. End quote. In other words, the Eucharist will heal. Most of us will agree with that. Will heal you spiritually. And therefore, you should be able to receive it, basically, regardless of anything on your conscience. Do you understand the problem with this? This is an advocacy for sacrilegious communion. And not only sacrilegious communion, but, but communion that is sacrilegious communion by those who carry the grossest sins on their conscience. This is heresy. I mean, it is a naked heresy. But then again... We shouldn't come to expect anything else from Cardinal McElroy, he of the Religious Education Conference in Los Angeles, he who has been a longtime advocate for the James Martin topic in the church, and he who has been a wild opponent of the traditional liturgy of the church. That is where we are now. That is the juxtaposition. Where do you stand? Do you stand with the traditional faith? That is embodied by the traditional mass, even if you don't attend it. Or do you stand with opening the Eucharist to all sorts of things that, to unspeakable communion by those who have sins on their conscience? If you thought that the, the you know, what, Dr. Taylor Marshall called it the Chuck E. Cheese Mass he referenced was in, in a video last weekend was bad. Wait till you see this kind of communion happening at your parish on a weekly basis. When you see people coming up to receive who, you, who are open about flouting the church's teachings on these things and receiving communion, 
Francis used Amoris Laetitia as his reasoning for softening his language in that big kerfuffle last weekend involving James Martin. Here we see, here we see Gaudete ex exultate, a document nobody even reads, by Francis doing the same. This has been his program since day one. It just takes time to get to it. And that's what is done. What we've got here. And now we see this unfolding. And as others have pointed out, Archbishop Chapu and others in other interviews and elsewhere have pointed out, this is where, this is all the product of the Synod on Synodality, and that is the actual purpose of the Synod on Synodality, is to make this happen. Curious what you think of this, so let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't, it does help, as does sharing this on social media, it helps a lot too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.